Amen. Well, if you have a Bible, if you would make your way to Romans chapter 6 while you're making your way there, don't forget that we have bulletins in the main lobby. You can grab one, take notes on it, and our prayer list is also printed there. So make sure you grab a bulletin. You'll also see in our bulletin there is a list of needs in several different areas of ministry, one being Hill Kids. And so if you would be so kind to consider serving in that ministry, they would be greatly, greatly pleased with that. As Pastor Eric already mentioned, if you're viewing online, thank you so much for tuning in today. My name is Zach. I have the great privilege and honor of being the senior pastor here, and it is my joy to be with you all today. So we are finishing up our series this morning called Dead or Alive. And this series has just been a simple overview or study of Romans chapters 5 and 6. And so we, we learned in part one that the real reason that Jesus came was much better than anyone had ever expected. That he did not come to bring the nation of Israel what they had hoped for, but that he had came to bring people created in his image peace. That he had come to bring his people hope to give us strength when we suffer, because we will suffer, that he was coming to bring us and give us his spirit, and that we had his unending love. And then in week two, we saw that one life brought death, and one death brought life, that everyone has sinned, and that sin brings upon us condemnation and death, but we learned that we can all be rescued, and that we have abounding grace through Jesus Christ. Last week, we started with the question, should we continue to sin because God has poured out his grace on us? And we learned that we should not sin just because there's grace, but that God does everything that we need and he has justified us, that he has put us in a position of righteousness, that we were buried with Christ and we have died to our sin, that we have power from the Father now, and He enables us to live in a new way. We learned that your life, that our lives should reflect our freedom, that God is the one who moves in us, that the old life should be dead, and sin should lose its power. Sin no longer owns us, and then God does His work through us. This is the process of sanctification and that we're not to be controlled by sin. We don't serve the mission of sin. And we use all of ourselves to do what is holy and righteous. And we do those things for God's glory and his glory alone. And so that brings us this morning to the last section here of Romans chapter 6. And we're going to begin reading together in verse 12. The Apostle Paul writes, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. To make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? 
But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. And I guess half the church probably got upset and left the church after that statement. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the time, or for the end of those things, is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray. God, we're so thankful that even though our sin brings us death, even though our sin separates us from you, that you have given yourself freely. That you have given us the gift of grace something that we do not deserve, but you have poured it out. And because of that grace, we have hope and we have life that leads to heaven. And we're thankful for that today. Lord, we are who you say we are and we are free in you. And we are so grateful. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, let's talk for just a moment about the word freedom. We live in a free country, and that freedom, though, can be threatened and even taken away. Issues of freedom in our culture, we see them swirling around us all over the place. Issues with the Constitution, Bill of Rights, amendments, privacy, people, we, our, their phones track us. I mean, there's a lot of things going on and weird stuff. And all of these are freedoms that we have. But we know that they are constantly under threat, especially right now. Facts are ignored. Mainstream media rhetoric is spewed and one-sided agendas are pushed on us everywhere we turn. And we, we could debate it, but we've lost some freedoms. And it's okay to fight and protect those freedoms that are granted to us, but all of that is only temporary anyways. The eternal is what matters most. And we haven't lost the freedom that God provides us, and nobody on this planet for sure can ever take those freedoms away from us. You see, we are free from sin's penalty. That's our greatest need, and that will never change. And no one can take that away from us. And so Paul starts our section of verses today just like he did last week with a question. He says, what then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. 
He's saying, does living under grace mean that we should still sin? That's really the question that he's asking. And we've probably asked ourselves that question before. I know I have. We live, you see, when we live under the law, it makes everything, it makes all of our good deeds all about us and not about Jesus and his finished work which in turn brings judgment. But when we live under grace, it makes everything all about Jesus, and then you are thrown in the equation, and that brings blessing. You see, when we are set free from sin, we do what God wants, not what we want. You see, this process of being a slave to sinful behavior, it leads to a life that produces no fruit. It's dead. So we have to choose obedience. And this choice, you are free to make today. You do not have to choose to live in obedience. But when we choose to live in obedience, it leads to righteousness. Look at verse 16. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? Something significant is said, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed." And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. Now, this word for slave or slaves is a tricky word. It gets used out of context in our culture, and and rightly so. But slaves to Paul, this is what it would mean. One who gives himself up to another's will. Or it's someone who is devoted to someone else at their disregard of their own interests. I'm going to say that again if you want to write it down. This word for slaves means one who gives himself up to another's will. It's to be devoted to someone else at the disregard of your own interests. It's a servant, an attendant. We are all slaves to something or someone You are either a slave to the mission of God's enemy, Satan, which we talked about last week. You are either a slave to that mission, or you are a slave to Christ and his mission. The enemy's mission is this word called rebellion. Rebellion against God and his plan for humanity and for your life. And Christ's mission is one of righteousness. So are you a slave to rebellion, or are you a slave to righteousness? What are you serving? Who are you serving? Is it your flesh? Is it your desires? Is it the things that you, you expect because of being a, 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 an American? Who is your master? Is work your master? Are you a slave to your job or your career? Are you, a, a, are you selling out to something that could be viewed as temporary? Are you maybe, is your master maybe your family? 
You're mastered by the expectations of your family. Or maybe it's your hobbies, maybe it's success, maybe it's approval, maybe it's money, maybe it's safety. Maybe it's just something that we have simply put in God's place. We've made it an idol and we are worshiping it with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Is the things that you have, are the things that you have, are you being mastered by them? We become slaves. So are you a slave to sin or is the Lord your master? Are you, I'll say it this way and hopefully you understand what I mean. Are you a slave to his word? Are you a slave to his leading in your life? Are you committed to his mission and his work? Because we all serve someone. So who will you choose? This was modeled and it was taught. I want you to think for a moment about a trade, a, a skilled worker. Maybe it's an apprentice who is working a, a, and learning a new trade. And this could be anything uh, you, that you could bring to mind. But the apprentice is someone who works under the tutelage of a skilled master. The skilled worker will teach the apprentice everything that they need to know. He will teach them the fundamentals. He will teach them and train them and mold them and shape them. Uh, so the apprentice will then in turn be a good worker and do the job the way it's supposed to do. It's supposed to be done. 2 Timothy 1.13 says, Follow the pattern of sound words. So that you will hear from me, and in faith and love, you will be obedient to the things of Christ. The same applies to our spiritual lives today. That every person in this room, including me, will choose to pattern our lives after someone else, or after something else. Maybe you're an athlete and you watch athletes. I don't get it because I'm not an athlete. And so I, I don't get it. So, but you may, when I was younger, Michael Jordan was it. And you could debate whether LeBron or Jordan's the GOAT. I don't know. But everybody wanted to play basketball like Michael Jordan. And I had friends who would, who would imitate Jordan on the basketball court. Maybe it's a leader that you admire. Maybe it's, maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's someone I don't know. But when it comes to this issue of rebellion versus righteousness, we actually would have no choice in the matter if it wasn't for Jesus offering us grace. If it wasn't for Jesus offering us hope and salvation, we would be and could only be servants of sin. We would have no other choice. We would be servants of it. It would be our idol. It would be our focus. You see, but with sin comes separation from God. With sin comes suffering. With sin comes shame and guilt and loneliness and heartache. And Romans 8.22 says, but the law of the spirit of life 
has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. You see, Jesus, he brings new life. Jesus brings this word that we are so desperate for and we struggle to keep it, but it's this word called freedom. We love the word freedom, and when Paul speaks of a standard or a pattern of teaching, many scholars believe that he is referring to this deep freedom that he has offered us. I wasn't going to have you turn there, but turn to 1 Corinthians 15. Real quick. Hold your place in Romans. We're coming back to it. Many scholars believe that in this section here in Romans chapter 6, that Paul is referring to what we see written in 1 Corinthians 15. And in 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 1, Paul writes, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance. That's highlight that. The gospel is first importance. What I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I. But the grace of God that is in me, whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. The gospel is free. The gospel is full of grace that you and I do not deserve. Before Christ, we were slaves to sin. I think it is so important that we remember that. As Christians, we sometimes forget that sin was our master. But after salvation, Christ has now become our master. So who are you being mastered by? We follow him. Which master are you serving? Sin or Christ? Last week we talked about holiness and righteousness. So we're going to talk about that again this morning. Because Paul, it's almost as if he puts things on repeat in this book. Righteousness, holiness, sanctification, justification, freedom in the gospel. There's life. We were dead. Now we're alive. He's just, he's, uh, he's back and forth. But he, he does this because there was a lot of tension in the church. Because they thought it was all about the law and not about grace. But here's something that is important, and I've missed this in my Christian walk. Holiness is what's inside of me, and righteousness 
It is what is seen outside of me. It's right living that sometimes it can be seen as as self-righteousness, though, so we have to be careful. Think about the Pharisees and all the super-Christians who had all the answers, but they didn't live it. They were still being mastered by sin. They weren't mastered by a life of holiness and righteousness, and we live a righteous life. We, We do this thing called right living because we want to please God, And to be visibly different from the world, we are set apart. And like we saw last week, sin shouldn't enslave us. But we have the choice to choose righteousness. We have the choice to choose it. Will you? Look at verse 19. Here's his harsh statement. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, and that leads to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. That's holiness. That's being set apart. But here's something that you have to know this morning. When it comes to this process, you can't be neutral. It's not a neutral position. Your neutrality is a choice to not surrender to God and his will and his purposes because everyone is mastered by something or someone. You see, we will sin, but we are not slaves to it because we have been made new. This slavery, it's forced on or it's volunteered for. The same things happen spiritually for us. We have things that are forced on us at times, or we invite those things into our lives. You either grow or you don't. Sin either pulls you away or the Spirit will draw you in. You see, we all serve someone. So who will you choose? And then we move forward in this freedom. Verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regards to righteousness. No one forced this life on you. You've been free to choose it. And We are not obligated. There is no obligation this morning for you to choose Christ as your master over sin. No no obligation. You are free to choose whether you will choose sin or you will choose the Savior and holiness and being set apart. You are free to choose. There's no obligation. You are not obligated to choose the path of righteousness. Do you hear what I'm saying? There is no obligation. You decide who you will follow or allow to be your master. But you don't choose the outcome. There are results. And this connects back to what we studied in January from John chapter 15 on fruit bearing. Look at verse 21. It says, but what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed. For the end of those things is death. Are you bearing fruit today? 
We're all bearing fruit, but what kind of fruit are you bearing? Are you bearing fruit that is serving sin, which is dead and pointless, or are you serving the master who brings life and joy and peace and hope and strength for suffering? And we could go on and we could go on, read Romans chapter 8. But ultimately, both of these fruit-bearing categories bring something. One brings death and one brings life. But holiness is possible, verse 22. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. This is what I just talked about. Holiness is what happens inside of you. That's the process of sanctification, being set apart. 1 Corinthians 7, 22 says, For he who is called who was called in the Lord as a bondservant, is a freedman of the Lord. Likewise, he who was set free when called is a bondservant of Christ. In 1 Timothy or 1 Peter 2, verse 16, it says, live as people who are free. We live as free people. Not though using our freedoms as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. You see, the fruit of righteousness, it leads to growth, and in the end, eternal life. We move forward each and every day in freedom, but you don't have to choose his way unless you want to. So who is your master? And who are you serving? And then we see that we have been set free by God and for God. Verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I know we hear these things a lot in church, but sin has wages. There is a penalty to pay for sin. And some of us sit here this morning in a different position because we have responded to the good news of the gospel. We have turned from our wicked ways. We've turned from our sin. We no longer have a posture that is leaning in the direction of sin. And we have turned to righteousness. We have turned in the direction of the Savior. We have been set free because Jesus Christ came, as so many of you know, and he lived the life that we couldn't live, and he paid the price for that debt. He paid the wage. But a debt is owed because of sin. We see that in Genesis chapter 2. It says, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, but for in the day that you do, you will surely die. That when Adam and Eve chose to rebel, they chose rebellion instead of righteousness. And when they did, they ushered in this issue of sin that we all battle, that we all walked into this world with. Romans 5 tells us, we studied this in week one, 
That just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. You have to understand and believe sin is what sin is. You have to have a full understanding of what sin is in order to choose the other way. But Jesus paid the debt. And it's a reminder that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift is from God and it's eternal life. Galatians 6 so beautifully makes a description for us where it says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows of his own flesh will reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Now that should make a saved person today extremely thankful. That if you are a child of God, if you have been set free from sin's reign on your heart, then that should also make you nice. That should make you generous. That should make you loving. You see, everyone wants to be free. Everyone wants to feel freedom. But we're not free until Jesus saves us. And he sets us free. So, where are you today? Because here's the truth. We all serve someone so who will you choose? We all serve someone. Who will I choose? Because if one thing is certain in Romans, sin is everywhere. But we have a choice to make. Who and what will master you? You see, you don't have to serve sin. You don't have to serve Jesus, but you will serve one of them. So how will you answer that question? Which one will you choose? Is sin your master or Jesus? And my goal this morning and throughout this whole series has been to point you to Jesus. And to point my, my own heart in the direction of Jesus. Because he's the one that brings freedom. He's the one who brings hope and joy and peace and life. And he's all we need. Because we all serve someone, so who will you choose? I would love for that to be on your mind before you make any decision today or tomorrow or this week? Who are you serving? And is it the Savior? If you would, bow your head and close your eyes. I only ask you to do that for a simple purpose. And that is just to maybe eliminate a few distractions for just a moment. And to ponder that question. 
of who am I serving? And how do you, not your spouse, not your children, not your best friend, not the person that you're thinking of that's choosing rebellion over righteousness, but how do you answer that question? Who am I serving? Who is my master? And it's vital that you answer that question in your own heart. And so make that decision. And choose to be mastered and to be a slave of righteousness. Commit yourself to righteousness today. There's no better way. And if you're here this morning and you're still separated from God because of your sin and you've never called on him to save you, then settle that today. Give your heart to the Savior and allow him to be your master because the road Taken with Jesus is much better than a road without him. So commit yourself to him today. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful this morning for this wonderful set of words from Romans chapter 6. And Lord, we, as your people, are sinners who have been saved by your undeserved grace. And your spirit lives inside of us. And you give us everything that we need to choose you. God, we are free to choose you today. We're free to choose you tomorrow. So God, I pray that we as your people would choose you every single day, every single moment of the day. When we fall, God, I pray that we would seek repentance and forgiveness from you and that we would refocus our hearts back on you and that we would live to please you because that's what you want. You've made us free, and you've made us free for a reason. So Lord, we're so thankful for that hope that we have, and we're so thankful for Jesus, who set the example for us, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being here this morning, for being a part of this series. I hope it has been an encouragement to you. I hope it's been a challenge to you as well, as it has been to me. As our video announcements mentioned, Uh, Earlier on in our service, next Sunday is Pastor Cedric's last Sunday with us on staff here at West Hill. And so he's going to be preaching, and then we are going to have a send-off for the Beckles family down in our Family Life Center following the morning service with just some food, uh, some veggies, some little sandwiches, and some fruit and water. And so we want to invite you to be a part of that time next week, to come down, give them a hug, tell them how much you appreciate them, and we're going to send them off with our, with our support and our love. We're proud of them. I am thankful to have spent nine years of my life with Pastor Cedric on this team. We've done some awesome things together. I'm going to miss that, but I'm looking forward to, hear, to hearing how God's going to use him in the future in Atlanta. So thank you so much for being here today. On your way out, the ushers are at the door. If you'd like to give, you can do that there or you can do it online. And we'll see you all next Sunday.